0: Welcome back to Outdoors with me Lawrence Gunther and Lily and Lewis, the guide dog. Today Lily's got some information on a new law in Canada banning the use of killer whales, dolphins and belugas for entertainment. Lily and I speak with Dr. Lori Marino about a whale sanctuary she's establishing on the east coast of Nova Scotia. I've got a tip to share about sea kayaking blind and a few little experiences of my own. It's all wet, all East Coast, all whales and kayaks. Can't wait to spring. Come on, Lewis, let's go find Lily. Did you know? Lily, what's new?
1: Well, Canada has new laws that ban the trade, breeding, and display of cetaceans. So basically those are uh, whales, dolphins, and porpoises.
0: Wow, look out marine land. Hey, what brought this all about? I mean other than marine land.
1: Yeah, you uh, well there's a growing global movement to ban whale and dolphin cruelty. As scientific understanding of marine mammals grow, so is the public's opposition to keeping them in small barren tanks. Jurisdictions around the world are responding to the science by passing laws like Canada has to ban or scientifically restrict the captive display of marine mammals, including Brazil, Bolivia, Chile, Costa Rica, India, Luxembourg, Norway, Switzerland, UK, and Canada.
0: It's amazing how we're evolving as a society in terms of uh, our relationship to animals.
1: Well, they should never should have been there in the first place. So it's kind of amazing we're finally given the bare minimum respect. Well, that's it exactly. Um, Bill S. Two Hundred Three went through more than three years of significant debate, but science was on the side of the cetaceans, and these social, intelligent, and vast-roaming marine mammals will no longer be allowed to be captured or bred and kept in small, barren tanks for entertainment. The law makes an exception for animals currently captive and those needing care for rehabilitation. The law bans breeding, making sure the whales and dolphins currently kept in tiny tanks in Canada are the last generation to suffer.
0: Laurie Marino is establishing a whale sanctuary, the first in North America, off the coast of Nova Scotia. Hey, let's see what she has to say about all this.
1: Outdoor Adventures
0: Welcome Dr. Laurie Marino to Outdoors with me, Lawrence Gunther, and Lily.
2: Hi! (laughs) Hi! hello <laughs> thank you for having me
0: yeah thank you for taking the time to join us Lori. Uh, i really enjoyed um the uh, q a session you guys put on the other day and i get your emails and have been for the last year now but i'm going to turn it over to lily lily has got a bunch of questions she's been dying to ask you
1: terrific so uh you are in charge of this new project that's basically creating a sanctuary in Nova Scotia for whales and marine creatures, right, who cannot survive in the wild.
2: Yes, we are creating a sanctuary in Nova Scotia for whales and specifically uh, beluga whales and orca whales who are coming from uh, uh, living in tanks in marine parks. And the whole purpose is to try to give them a better life so was there oh the, yeah sorry the sanctuary is part of the ocean and they will be cared for but they will be in a natural environment
1: perfect so uh what in, what inspired you what was the initial inspiration factor to start this project
2: well i was inspired by what i learned about uh what whales and dolphins go through living in entertainment parks And uh, that was several years ago. As somebody who has studied these animals for over 30 years, um, I began to realize that um, they suffered quite a bit in living in concrete tanks, in performance parks. And uh, that led me to realize that I needed to get into the the fray and and do whatever I could to try to uh, help them. And uh, as a scientist, I felt that that was my responsibility. So in 2016, uh, I got together with some friends and colleagues and said, Well, you know, look, if we don't like the way these animals are living in concrete tanks, let's actually do something about it. Let's create something. And that's when we had the idea of creating a sanctuary, just as there are sanctuaries for elephants and primates and bears and all kinds of other animals.
1: Wow. Okay, so you mentioned uh, belugas, whales, and dolphins. So dolphins will be put in there as well. I wasn't like, you know, dolphins, we we usually imagine them in more tropical, warmer waters, but they, they can survive in the same temperature as belugas can?
2: No, we won't have bottlenose dolphins. It will only be belugas and orcas. Okay, yeah and actually orcas uh or killer whales are dolphins they're the largest dolphin in the dolphin family uh but those are the two species we will have in our sanctuary and they do uh they do well in in cold water
1: yeah they're yeah they're they're arctic animals aren't they
2: yes yes well orcas are found everywhere mm-hmm. <laughs> but they definitely uh can live in colder water or warmer water they're really distributed across over the globe.
1: Mm-hmm. So these are animals that have been in captivity for for a while or not even yes. in a while, but what about animals who are injured in the wild by nets, boats, human activity? Mm-hmm. What if they are, can't be rehabilitated to go free? Will you, will they be allowed in there?
2: Yes, we will have the facilities to help with any strandings or injuries uh, to bring a whale in from the wilds, rehabilitate them, and then hopefully get them back out again to their family or their social group. Mm-hmm. Uh, the residents, the permanent residents in our sanctuary, will be individuals who basically have been born into captivity, born in the tanks. And because of that, they don't have the skills to live, <clears throat> excuse me, live in the open ocean and that's why uh the best we can do for them is to have them live in a sanctuary where they're cared for
1: Hmm. all right um so (laughs) my dad actually brought this up this was interesting so i we've seen pictures of your sanctuary we uh he we both watched your uh video and explained Mm -hmm. their little virtual tour of the sanctuary yes uh so kiska like these whales can jump can't they
2: well, you know, that's a great question. Like wh- how will they be contained? Well, actually, yes, whales can jump, but they don't jump over nets. <laughs> um, and there is something about the psychology of whales that makes them afraid to jump over nets. And uh, we, we know this uh, when they are captured in the wild. Uh, and they are surrounded by a net. They, they could easily just escape by jumping the net, but they don't. Um, and so we don't think that this will be a problem uh, because they, that's something that they just don't do. Also, you know, when you see them jumping, you know, through something or over something hmm. in, a, in an entertainment park, that takes a lot of training to, to get them to do that. It's not something that comes naturally.
1: Yeah, for sure. And um, you're, you, if I'm not mistaken, you're a neuroscientist, correct? Yes. Yeah, and you study specifically the evolution of, the, uh, of brains of dolphins and orcas. Yes, yes. So that's really interesting to know about the psychological barrier that prevents these animals from escaping the nets. That's so, so interesting.
2: Well, you know, they they are um, very complex Mm -hmm. animals uh, and they are capable of uh, some very, very sophisticated Mm -hmm. uh, things. But they also come with their own, you know, fears, anxieties, um, predispositions, just as we do. I mean, we don't like to walk into dark spaces, for instance. That's something that we tend not to do if we can help it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would be an example of something comparable. Um, So
1: Kiska, you mentioned animals that were born in captivity, but Kiska wasn't born in captivity. She was captured at, I think, three years old, correct?
2: Yes. And she's one of the very few, just a handful, who were taken from the wild, who are still Mm. alive today in captivity. The problem is that um, even Kiska, who was born in the wild, was taken when she was so young. She really hadn't learned how to survive. So she would have to be treated, if we were able, fortunate to give her a home, as someone who basically, um, you know, was never in the wild. Mm -hmm. Because because, uh, she's in her 40s now, and she was captured when she was like four years old. Um, so I she doesn't really have those survival skills.
1: So she doesn't have survival skills, which I'd assume mean like hunting. So what will the feeding process be like in these in the sanctuary? Will she be fed like she was in captivity or will she be like kind of taught to hunt?
2: Well, um, it will be similar in that she knows, that uh, she's always been fed uh, dead fish. Mm. Uh, we will continue to feed her fish that we source from fishermen, hopefully local local fishermen. Um, and uh, we will continue to do that. Um, there will be fish that will go through the sanctuary. And if she chases them and catches them, great. Um, we will try to give her a more interesting way of getting her food rather than just dropping it in her mouth at the same time Mm -hmm. every day at the same place. And we'll try to devise ways that are more interesting, more stimulating for her. But yes, we will have to feed her uh, because we can't rely upon uh, her feeding herself at this point.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That and it's good that you're looking into ways to keep it more mentally stimulating for her cuz they're such Absolutely. they're such intelligent animals.
2: Yes, yes, and they just definitely uh don't have enough stimulation in the tanks. No way. Uh yeah. they they literally are dying of boredom.
1: Mm. It's so it's tragic. So a lot of this is based off of the Jane Goodall bill, correct? Uh the the um, bill that was passed that I think will make it so the government can urge uh, urge these parks to free their animals or to remove them from the parks?
2: Well, there's two bills. One was a bill that passed in 2019. That's Bill S-203. Mm-hmm. And what that bill did was it made it unlawful to keep dolphins and whales in captivity for entertainment purposes and unlawful to breed them. Mm -hmm. And right now there's only one place in all of Canada that holds dolphins and whales, and that's Marineland in Ontario. And uh, we are hoping that, you know, Akiska lives there, there are about 35 beluga whales and five bottomless dolphins. And and we really hold out hope that... we can have conversations with them so that we can bring some of the beluga whales and Kiska to our sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Then there's another bill that is in the process of, I think it's the second reading and that's the Jane Goodall bill that you mentioned. And that bill would extend protections to a lot of other wild animals uh, in Canada who are living in zoos, uh, big cats, primates, bears, elephants in particular, um so it it is an extension um of the original bill uh it does it does a lot more though that's
1: that's really interesting so i thought i was a little bit confused on that but that's so interesting so the you guys don't need to wait until the jane goodall act is passed to Hmm. try and continue conversations to save kiska and the belugas
2: Absolutely not. That's we're, great. We're already there. That's that's great. Well, that was my last question. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Lori, I got a couple if we got still time. Sure,
2: Good. Sure. Hey,
0: are you from Nova Scotia?
2: No. I'm from New York. I,
0: ah, cool. <laughs> we we love New York. We, we go to New York, York City we, when we get It's a beautiful city. But we love Nova Scotia too and um so how, how why Nova Scotia?
2: oh my gosh well you know before we decided on nova scotia we basically spent a couple of years over two years two and a half years really looking for a good site um we did that by looking at areas that had the kind of coastline that might be important but also had the right temperature range mm-hmm. um and a number of other criteria And we actually spent a lot of time uh, going to British Columbia and into Washington State and Nova Scotia. We went up and down <laughs> the Nova Scotia uh, coastline. And through all of those uh, travels, uh, we found uh, a community, the Sherpa community in the, the northeastern part of Nova Scotia that really loved what we were proposing. And they were the ones that found the site for us. So what we learned is that when you're trying to do something like this, it's really important to try to find a place that fits all the characteristics that are needed um, for the animal that you're going to give a home to. But what's equally and probably, I mean, it's equally important is the people Mm. and the, the community and whether they want something like that in their backyard, as it were. And the Sherbrooke community, which is about 20 minutes from our site, just loved what we were doing and they have become, you know, our strongest allies. So that was a really important lesson that we learned that people are very very important when it comes to doing something like this. It's
0: fantastic you picked Nova Scotia. I, I yeah. couldn't imagine a better location, and it's in Canada. So
2: pretty. Yeah,
0: it really is, and the climate's yeah. not that bad. Like we're in Ottawa, and it's a lot colder in Ottawa than it is in Halifax.
2: Well, you know, I have been in Halifax during some pretty cold.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> well, you're it from New York. Pretty New York. <laughs> it's cold me, in New York, as you know. Um, yeah. But I, I love the the coastline. I love the, the, the sound of the ocean. Yeah. So yeah. close to so many of the houses. And it just has a nice feel to mm-hmm. it. So it does. I liked it the minute I stepped foot in Nova Scotia the first time, like maybe four years ago. So it's... I I and so yeah. yeah. I, definitely liked it it's a place where it's a place it's one of the few places we
1: have left that are still still has a really high abundance of natural things
0: yeah not overdeveloped not overdeveloped and
1: there's really not a lot of places like that
0: yeah hey are there are there other sanctuaries like this around the world that are in existence now
2: well you know there's one there's a couple um at different stages of development so there's one in iceland yeah um And they have created a space for two beluga whales who were living in a marine park in Asia. And um, they plan to bring the the two beluga whales into the sanctuary permanently this spring. Um, And then there's another... And it's the National Aquarium in Baltimore. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they have seven uh, bottlenose dolphins, Lily, as you were mentioning dolphins, yeah. and they are creating a sanctuary for them in, I believe it's Puerto Rico. And uh, we're all working together uh, to develop accreditation guidelines so that you know we can People can tell authentic sanctuaries from places that just call themselves sanctuaries, mm. but they're really not. And so there are others a- around the world that are ideas that are, they're trying to, to, to work through. But those, I guess, ours and the other two I mentioned are the furthest along.
0: Well, Lori, if you could make this, yeah, I mean, there's no race, no pressure. <laughs> 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 but wouldn't that be wonderful if Canada had the first sanctuary for uh, for orcas uh, killer whales oh, in Nova Scotia too yeah yeah it would be and, great. and
2: it and it should be because Canada has really led the way mm-hmm. in terms of its relationship to do, uh, dolphins and whales i mean that bill that they passed in 2019 yeah you know it would it would never it hasn't nothing like that has passed in the US um not even the swim it's act so progressive it's so progressive yeah um and so the of course the arc of the story would be let's you know we got this bill passed now let's take some of those whales who are living in concrete tanks and give them a life yeah uh yeah. and you know that's what we're trying to do with the sanctuary isn't there a, a bill in the united states that was passed the the swim bill i think Well, that's very interesting, Lily, that you mentioned that. The SWIM bill is making the rounds, and that is a a very interesting bill. It would make it illegal to breed or import uh, orcas, beluga whales, pilot whales, false killer whales, and it is making the rounds now. Mm. Uh, It's got a ways to go. If it passes in any form, it would be the most progressive legislation to protect captive cetaceans uh, in this country. And so, you know, we really want to promote that. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. I mean, we're not going to give up. We, we think that eventually something will be passed in the United States that will make it harder to, to keep these animals in concrete tanks, keep breeding them over and over again and forcing them to perform.
0: That biodiversity conference that just wrapped up in Montreal, I mean, that really shone a light here in Canada and around the world, I think, on on the crisis of biodiversity uh, around the world that that the whole planet's facing. I think it it makes projects like yours even more crucial.
2: Well, you know, I I really appreciate you giving a voice to, you know, what we're doing and and just the notion of, you know, the outdoors, because... Mm -hmm. It really, that's where their animals live. Yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. That's where they live and that has to be preserved. And so it's not really about moving, you know, whales from, it is about, you know, taking them from a terrible situation, living in a concrete tank to a better, but eventually it's about, you know, a world where these animals are just living where they evolved in the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah.
0: It's one, it's one step removed. It's one step removed. Yeah, for sure. And, 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 exactly. And, exactly.
2: But it's on the right path. It is, and, a, yeah. and it's a necessary step. So yeah, it's, the outdoors is is where it's at. Yeah. You
0: know?
1: And the, yeah. the two conversations linked to need they need to be linked more. You know, the yeah. animal health and animal welfare and the climate crisis and the loss of biodiversity they need to be linked more because they're the same thing.
2: They yeah. are the same thing, and in the end, you know, you know, when people when they talk about, you know, uh, communities or, or populations of animals going extinct, it's it's individuals, mm-hmm. you know. Um and uh we tend to forget that, but they that each one is an individual. Um and so we have to preserve uh those who are living in in the wilds. Um yeah. and get any ever all of the mountains back into the wilds and that's that's where they belong. So yeah. I appreciate, you know, uh, programs like this that really emphasize mm-hmm. the value of the outdoors and nature.
0: And we appreciate what you're doing and uh, wish you the best luck. And thank you so yes. much for taking the time, Dr. Oh, Lori Marino, for, uh, thank for you. being with us today. Thank on,
2: you. And, and yeah. come on out uh, when we're open. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. Uh,
0: are you opening? When are you opening?
2: Well, we are hoping to receive our first resident by the spring of next year. Wow. So stay tuned. Stay All in, right. Stay in touch. We will. We Great. will. Thank you. Thanks, Lori.
0: Okay. Good okay. luck.
2: Thanks. Good luck. Good luck, Lily. Thank you.
0: Bye. Bye-bye. Outdoor tips and tech. Six on your left. meters. Sea kayaks come with either a rudder that you control with your feet while you're paddling that double-bladed paddle, or the smaller sort of Inuit kayak, they have no rudder, the whitewater kayaks. You just control them with your paddle. And Good luck going straight. I tell you, if you can't see, keeping a kayak going in a straight line is not that easy. Hobie invented a kayak system that I quite enjoy. It's got a rudder, only you control it with a sort of joystick at your hand. You can move it left and right and that'll turn your boat and you can leave it in one position. Once you find that sort of straight ahead position, what do you do with your hands in the meantime? You go fishing because you're moving your kayak with a set of really innovative pedals that are virtually silent. Whereas when you're paddling, you're making a lot of noise with the paddles dipping in and out of the water. It prevents you from hearing the other paddlers around you. So this way, you're going silent mode and you can hear where the other boats are and follow them with your ears. So don't think just because you can't see, you need to go in a tandem kayak with someone else like on the back of a tandem bicycle and you're just the motor. No, you can get out there in your own kayak and be the captain of your own little boat. Just don't go alone. Always a good idea to have someone with you when you're on the water. You never know what happens. our relationship with animals is complicated whether it's zoos and aquariums where we keep wild animals in containment or on farms where we grow them for food and fur or whether it's our pets you know we keep small pets like gerbils and hamsters and guinea pigs in cages we have dogs and cats that we play with and i have a guide dog that's been trained to work in a harness and guide me around through stressful situations all that to say it's a complicated relationship that we have with all sorts of animals we seem to be moving away from zoos and aquariums and entertainment parks that keep animals for our entertainment our relationship with animals has evolved and will continue to evolve and that's a good thing follow me on facebook twitter and instagram or visit me at lawrencegunther.com to keep up the date on my blogs and videos Subscribe to get the latest episodes of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther by visiting your favorite podcast provider. And please take some time to rank us and give us some comments. Send me your feedback, suggestions, and questions on email at feedback at AMI.ca or on Twitter at AMI-audio. I want to thank Nazreen Abdel-Majid. The manager of AMI-audio Andy Frank.